that your blood speaks for us. Lord, no matter what we think, no matter what we hear, no matter what Satan would try to tell us, Lord, your blood speaks for us. Lord, that blood that you shed, that you shed when you died on a cross for our sins. Lord, just help us receive that. Lord, help us receive what you've done. Lord, if we try to do it on our own, we can't. But Lord, we just have to receive what you did for us. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can be your children. Lord, we thank you that you are our Father. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And this morning, I've I've asked Pam to come up and share. She's gonna she's gonna share a testimony. It's uh, uh she'll explain it when she gets here. Prior to that, I want to read. I want to read from in preparation. We'll read from John the fourteenth chapter, begin to the first verse. Jesus said to his disciples, "says Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you." I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now, Jesus told his disciples, he says, I'm going to prepare a place. There's a place. You know, it's a place. It's called heaven. You know, he also has a place, place for those that don't follow him. We're not going to talk about that today, but there are two places. You know, today we're going to talk about a place called heaven, and Pam's going to come up and share um, her sharing with her granddaughter about heaven. So come on up, Pam. All right, am I? Oh, this seems very unnatural. <laughs> okay, I just ask that you pray I can get through this because. Um, some of you know and some of you don't, but I've been talking with little Isabel, my granddaughter, um, who was critically ill about three years ago. And uh, Cleveland Clinic kept telling us, she's not going to make it. She's not going to make it. And of course, you know, we received a miracle. But uh, when I read these words, you know, I cry all over again. They're, they're happy tears. It's just, um, Isabel has an incredible story to, to tell. And some of you were here when our youngest daughter of our, our seven kids, our youngest daughter came with her family to New Hope and shared their testimony how Jesus literally intervened on Isabel's behalf when she was um, diagnosed with irreversible liver failure um, in October of 2015. And it hit her hard and fast and it took the Cleveland Clinic six full months to diagnose what was causing the problem. They were treating things. They didn't know what. Um, when we thought, as you heard through their testimony, when we thought that she was clear, and on the day that um, we were supposed to be, she was supposed to be um, discharged from the hospital, it took forever for the papers to come through, the discharge papers. And finally, the doctors came in and said, uh, we can't discharge her yet. She's now gone into heart failure. And as you know, um, the scenario continued for another couple of months um, as she was put on the heart transplant list and wound up with a heart transplant in um, record time. 
just like she received the liver in record time. But when the um, when she was going through this, our family stood on two scriptures. Um, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. And those of you who know Izzy's testimony, through the Sweeney's coming up here and talking, you only know half the testimony. Um, because that, that's the adult version. And Isabel has been talking about what happened to her um, during this time when we were experiencing this nightmare and she has another half to the story, which I wanted to share. And some of you know a few little things, because I have shared some things during um, Life Study Group. But uh, most of you don't know what Isabel has been saying to us for the last three years. Pastor Ron asked if I would um, share some of her comments that she has made. And when I, when I tell you these things, please keep in mind that... They're incredible. The things that she has shared are incredible. And what you're going to hear is coming out of the mouth of a three-year-old, a four-year-old, and a five-year-old. She's been talking to us for, six year, for, for three years. Uh, she just graduated kindergarten, something Cleveland Clinic never thought that they would, would see, and she's now six. But... Um, I wanted to share some of the snippets. You know, each time she and I would talk, and she, she talks to me more than anybody. She won't talk to her mom about it. Her mom will ask her questions, and she turns and she runs. Lydia says, I can't get her to talk. You just have this special relationship with her, and you open up. And a couple times her siblings heard it, so they know I, it's just not grandma telling a story. It's actually Isabel telling the story. Um, you can do with this what I'm about to say. You can do with it what you want. Personally, I believe it. I take it to heart, not because it's my granddaughter, but a three-year-old and a four-year-old just does not know these things. They don't know these things. I mean, they're just starting to learn at age four and five, you know, about knowing the ark and so forth. And these things are incredible. I mean, she's speaking right out of the Bible so many times when she talks to me. Um, <laughs> I think... One of the things that really amazes me is at the age of four, she actually shared three things with me that I didn't know. I mean, Tom and I have been born again since 1972, and we absolutely study the Bible every day. We love it. It's in our blood. It's part of who we are. And there were three things that she told me that I never knew. I mean, I know I look back and I think, I saw these, but it didn't, it didn't register. And I kind of wonder if the Lord save this and open my eyes through Izzy so I would realize, hey, this little child is telling truth. She's telling a story. Um, I think that the best thing to do is just for me to read it. I, because she has said so much, I've kept a journal. When she started talking, I made sure I had a notebook and a pen with me at all times in my purse because I wanted to record exactly what she said, whether I understood it or not. I recorded exactly what she said. Then when I got home, I would not go to bed that night until I typed my notes in her conversation into the computer. And I think because it's three years worth, I have 10 little nuggets, what I call nuggets, because when she speaks, it's like a golden nugget. It's a treasure. And there are 10 major things that she said that I wanted to share with you. 
And you'll see that it's the Bible coming out of this little child's mouth. So I'm actually going to read it. So excuse me for reading, but I just think it will keep me on track and it will keep her testimony more accurate that way. Um, Those of you who, most of you heard the testimony, I think. Those of you who didn't, let me just say something really quick. I just wrote a paragraph to kind of review quickly what she went through. Um, And I said, around Thanksgiving, I was able to stay at the Cleveland Clinic um, with with Isabel so that her mom and dad could go to a family wedding in Columbus. This was the first opportunity that they were able to spend. This is right out of my journal. Um, First opportunity that they were able to spend together with their children since this nightmare began for the family in October 2015. The Lord continues to bless Isabel with an unusually fast healing after the liver failure caused the need for a liver transplant. The doctors are amazed that she got a liver in less than 24 hours after she was being placed on the liver transplant for a new organ. We were told, uh, she set a record at the Cleveland Clinic on receiving a liver donation. Uh, The transplant team to this day calls it a miracle because they'd never never seen anything like it. Most patients wait for months for an organ, but um, Isabel just didn't have that kind of time. Her mama, Lydia, had been approved for being a living donor, and the law requires um, required all the tests that she went through. It took a full day. They had to be run again the second time in order for a legal transplant to be done in Isabel. She was critically ill. Her blood was no longer clotting properly. She was unconscious. She was not expected to survive throughout the night, even if light flight could, life flight could deliver a viable organ. Dr. Quintini, who's the head of um, transplant at the Cleveland Clinic, called this arrival divine intervention, and he used the word miracle, which doctors don't do too often, because circumstances simply do not happen that way. Even with a live donor, it was questionable if Isabel could survive a 12 to 14 hour operation in her weakened state. But uh, Jesus was absolutely in this every step of the way. It reminded me of the scripture verse that um, I so often quote that says, let the weak say I am strong. And I know that when we are at our weakest, that's when our living God is strongest on our behalf. And uh, this particular weekend, I noticed the transplant surgeon <laughs> kept peeking his head in several times throughout the weekend, and he'd just come in and he'd stare at Isabel. I mean, she had had her surgery. It was successful. And he just would shake his head, and he'd come in and he'd peek at her. He wouldn't check her vital signs. He'd just shake his head, and he'd look at me. He'd go... Like that, he could hardly believe it, even after the transplant was successful. He had told the family after the transplant that Izzy's liver um, was totally dead when he removed it, that it was, he went like this, and he said, zero percent liver function. And we had been um, told earlier that when a patient reaches a 25 to 30 percent liver function, then all the other organs begin to shut down because the liver is the control panel of our body, and it, it includes all, it, in, it um, regulates all of our functions, including our brain function. Um, Dr. Quintini told the family that Isabel surviving a 0% liver function was the second miracle. The first was that she got the liver in less than 24 hours. 
that she set a record. The second was that uh, she survived when she was at a 0% liver function. And he, he told the whole family, he said, that's a medical impossibility. You cannot <laughs> live without liver. And this child had no liver. And I don't know how, for how long. Um, Isabel's story began to unfold that weekend when I had the privilege of staying with her while mom and dad, somebody was with her at all times. Um, so when they went to this family wedding, I said, just go, just get out. They were, they were there like three months. I said, just get away from the hospital. I'll take care of her. I'll, I'll stay here. And then the story, Isabel's story, began to unfold. And she's just three at this time, keep in mind. Isabel was getting bored staying in bed and watching movies after the transplant a couple weeks ago. This was, um, this was a November entry in 2015. She asked if she could paint some more pictures on the windows that covered the entire end of her room in the PICU. Someone gave her a box of Crayola washable markers, water paints made just for windows. She loved when the therapist brought in silly art and silly music. It broke her boredom, and oftentimes it kept her going when she was depressed. Did you know a little three-year-old can get depressed? Um, that seemed to bring her out of depression. She loves art. The windows were an indication of how much she loved paints, and she used them as often as possible. The windows were almost covered with her masterpieces, except for a small spot on each end. I picked her up and put her on the counter. I put my arm around her so that uh, she could continue to work. Isabel took one spot, and I took the other spot, and uh, I started drawing a silly picture to make her laugh. It was Grandma Zebel with my hair sticking straight up, and my dangly earrings were swinging in the breeze. My eyes were crossed, and my tongue was hanging out just to make her laugh. It worked. <laughs> I noticed Isabel had drawn a, a big circle on her space, and then she put two ovals at the bottom. And I'm going to read this kind of like a conversation because it was I said and she said, back and forth conversation. I said, Isabel, what are those two shapes at the bottom? Well, that's his face. These are his feet. Okay. Whose feet? Jesus' feet. And I laughed. I literally laughed and said, well, how do you know what Jesus looks like? Izzy, without, I mean, she didn't miss a moment of hesitation. She just talked immediately. And she said, well, because I sat on his lap, he held me, Grandma. Now I'm no longer laughing, but stopped painting to reflect on what my granddaughter had just told me. Isabel, when did you sit on Jesus' lap? But she was finished talking about it, and that peculiar conversation was over. When Izzy's finished, that's it. There are no more conversations. I can't get her to talk anymore. That's it. So I know I have to wait until the next time. The second nugget. I was babysitting Sweeney's at their home while the other four children were in school. This was after she was discharged, obviously. Izzy and I were doing her favorite thing, coloring together. I asked a question in hopes of getting her to talk again about the statement that she had made to me in the hospital. Isabel, do you remember when you asked me in the hospital, or when you told me in the hospital that you had sat on Jesus' lap? Uh Uh-huh, that's what she said as she continued to color. She didn't even look up. How did you get to Jesus? Grandma, the angels carried me. This was kind of like a 
she, if you could have seen her expression after she started talking, it was kind of like a duh moment. I mean, she's never looked at me and said duh, but she just thinks everybody's had these experiences, and it's like, why are you asking me this? So she says, the angels carried me. I said, Isabel, please be patient with Grandma. I never sat on the lap of Jesus like you do, so like you did, so I didn't know how you got there. You said angels. How many were there with you? Two, Grandma. Riley carried me, and... Oh, and she started going like this. She says, I can't remember the other angel's name, and it really, it really seemed to bother her. Um, it, it, it did appear to stress her. I better stick with just reading this. It did appear to distress her a bit when she hit her head twice. That's okay that you can't remember the name Isabel. The Bible says that God sends his angels to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. I said, that's a big person's way of just saying, if you love Jesus, then he sends angels to help you when you need them. Did the angels talk to Jesus? Yep. Well, what were they saying? I don't know. I didn't know their words. What else happened, Izzy? Jesus said it was okay if I wanted to stay. This gets to me every time. He said, Mommy said it was okay. This statement brought me to tears because just a few days earlier, Lydia had laid hands on her and was praying over Isabel. And she said, Jesus, if for some reason you need her there more than we do here, if you have a purpose that we don't know about for her to be in heaven instead of with us, then I will trust you. You know that I will love you no matter what happens. Nothing will ever change that. I'll never understand if you keep her, but just want you to know that when you sent her in our lives three years ago, we, we wanted to raise her and we still want to raise her. And, you know, Isabel knew nothing about this prayer. I mean, Lydia had literally turned her over to Jesus and said, I'll be okay if you take her, but I do want to raise her. Uh, what did you tell Jesus when he said you could stay? Nothing. I just began to cry. I told him I miss my mommy and daddy and that I want to go home. What did Jesus tell you when you started to cry? He picked me up and gave me to Riley. My two angels brought me back to mommy and daddy. Jesus waved at me when I left. He waved at mommy and daddy too, but I don't think they saw him. Nugget number three. In answer to your questions, family, no, I have not shared with people all of Isabel's comments about her heavenly visit at age three when she was at death's door. I'm also cautious about the people I share it with. Now look at me telling all of you. <laughs> I really had to pray about to know whether to share it all but realize that God had allowed these things to occur for a purpose. I'm extremely careful in asking non-leading, open-ended questions so that no thoughts are put into Isabel's mind um, and to record her exact words without changing a thing to fit into anyone's theology. I think simple questions, or I ask simple questions to draw out her memories. Example, she had already told us early, earlier that she sat on Jesus' lap, so I added a new question during this discussion. When you sat... Where were you when you sat on Jesus' lap? This exposed another golden nugget from her memories that she had not mentioned before. This now five-year-old said to me, I don't know, 
We were on the grass with lots of flowers all around. One of the flowers talked to me. They're so beautiful, and they're all colors, she added. They're beautiful, and there's lots of beauty. And she's very dramatic. There's lots of beautiful houses all over. She uses her hands and her arms. Beautiful houses all over. Well, what did they look like? Some were big. Some were smaller, Grandma. They're all different colors. People came out. People went in. Some were big people and some were children. Some big people were carrying babies. Grandma, there was a lion that came out of one of the houses, kind of looking at Jeff because I told him this story once, and he tried very hard not to laugh at me. He did a good job of it, but he did smile. <laughs> you might not remember, but I secretly um, hoped that she had seen my mansion because I asked the Lord years ago, for a lion is a pet. The Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I always, um, it also says that some have not, but they ask not. So I asked the Lord probably 10 years ago for a majestic lion with a huge mane to live in my mansion as my kitty. I really did. I love a lion. Remember that story? And you kind of looked at it and you went, hmm. <laughs> So if you come and visit me in my mansion when we're in heaven, fair warning, I have this humongous lion, but he's really nice, as he told me so. Um, <laughs> I kind of hesitated to share that because I know it's kind of silly, but sometimes I ask the Lord for silly things when we're talking with each other. Um, Izzy continues, I got to play with that lion. I was afraid at first. I thought he would eat me, but he was a nice lion. He walked over to the white fence, you know, with that cheetah. The lion ran over, and they played together. They're friends, Grandma, Isabel added. There are lots of animals where Jesus lives. I saw lots of doggies. There are lots of horses all over. She told me one time there's more horses than any other animal, and I thought, well, that makes sense. You know, the book of Revelation says when Jesus returns and we return with him with the angels, we're all going to be riding horses. So I thought, well, you know, that kind of makes sense. Um, golden nugget, nugget number four. I went to the Sweeney's again, this time intentionally headed for the closet to get Isabel's crayons and coloring books because she tends to talk more when, when she's coloring or doing art because I had more questions about her heavenly visit. I can't, I can't stop asking this child questions. Me, you've told me a lot about where Jesus lives. What else did you do? Um, what else did you do there? Well, Jesus picked me up. <laughs> this just boggles my mind. Jesus picked me up, and he took me to see his father. Grandma, Jesus' father is my father, too. I mean, this is coming from a four-year-old. I had to pause and catch my breath. As I contemplated, this little one had just told me that Jesus had taken her to the throne room of God. We colored in silence as I gathered my emotions and thought about another question that I could ha ask her about these incredible things that she was telling me. Were you afraid? No, my father loves me. He was smiling at me. Wait, um, how many people did you see? Uh, just two, my father, and I saw Jesus. My mind was racing as I tried to come up with another open-ended question without adding information to her thinking. You saw two people? Did they look different? My father is really, really big. And again, she's using her arms. 
but I, I couldn't see his face. Jesus is smaller. Now I'm thinking about Exodus 33, 20, when Moses was told, you cannot see my face. No man can see me and live. Moses was permitted only to see the backside of the Lord. Isabel, if you couldn't see your father's face, then how do you know he was smiling at you? (laughs) I felt it right here, Grandma. That's what she said. She says, I felt it right here, Grandma. And she took her hand and put it over her new, new heart. She added, Grandma, my father and Jesus are mostly the same. What do you mean, honey? They, and then she named five things. She said, they talk the same. They think the same. They love people the same way. They want the same thing. Grandma, they act the same way. And the conversation ended. This time, it was me who could no longer talk. I was too flabbergasted, almost overwhelmed over the concept my youngest granddaughter had just shared with me. I thought about Jesus telling his disciples in John 10.30, I and my father are one. And again in John 14.9, when Jesus told Philip, Have I been with you so long a time, Philip, and you don't know me yet? Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? Isabel, at age four, seemed to already have grasped this. Nugget five, I ask, the last time we talked about sitting on Jesus' lap, you told me that Jesus took you to meet his Father. What else did you see when you met your Father? Because she she tells me a number of times, Jesus' Father is my Father. Is he? He sits in a big, big chair. My father's chair is blue. He likes blue best. This was a new idea to me, so I prayed the Holy Spirit would show me if this was in the Bible. I'd never seen it before. After all those years, I'd, decades, I'd never seen that before. But indeed, it was in there. One week later, I'm studying a message about the New Jerusalem taught by Perry Stone. He's mentioning the jewels associated with the different levels of the New Jerusalem. Perry then reads about God's sapphire throne, and it's in Ezekiel 1, 26. It's blue. Sapphire's blue. How did I miss out on that all these years? Was there anything else you saw when you were at your father's big chair? There's a beautiful rainbow behind his big chair's. I like rainbows. I saw them all over the place. I found myself puzzled again and asked the Holy Spirit to show me any scripture that might speak of a rainbow behind God's throne. Tom and I are listening to a teaching taught by Dr. David Jeremiah. Once again, within the week, my answer came through his teaching. Revelation 4.2, John said, Behold, I stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, And he who sat there appeared like a jasper stone and a sardis stone. And encircling the throne, there was a rainbow that looked like an emerald. Tom and I grew up spiritually on the book of Revelation because after we were saved, I was so dry. And I I just said, Lord, just pour it on. I just, I'm so thirsty. I just, give me your word, give me your word. And within the week after we were saved, there was a, teacher that came through teaching on the book of revelation and we 
cut our baby teeth on the book of Revelation, and to this day it's our favorite. We absolutely love it. We love the end time teachings. And I remember I was so ignorant that when this man was teaching about it, um, he said, open to the book of Revelation. And, you know, just coming out of the denominational church and not knowing much, I start leafing through my Bible. I start at Genesis, and I start leafing through. Tom says, use your index. I said, no, I'm going to learn better this way. So the guy was halfway through the teaching by the time I realized, oh, Revelation's the last book. Um, but this child knew about the rainbows. Um, nugget number six, I got to watch the Sweeney kids today since schools were still on spring break and their parents were both working. We decided to get the chores finished first, then have playtime. While eating lunch, Isabel began talking about one of her heavenly recollections with us. But as always, the conversation was way too short. Her brothers and her older sister heard her story this time, too. It wasn't just me. Kayleen joined in the conversation. I never know what will trigger these memories, but she comments without hesitation. As she matures, so does her vocabulary to explain events. Today, she talked again about the lion that she got to play with, the one that came out of that beautiful house. There were lots of pretty houses all over. She talked about all the animals being there were so much fun to play with. I asked Isabel, what else did you see there when Jesus let you walk around? She told me he let her walk around. And I said, well, who chaperoned you? Who walked with you? She said, nobody. <laughs> At first I went, you walked around alone? I thought, well, so what? There's no, nothing bad in heaven. She can walk around alone. She's not going to get hurt. Um, <laughs> but what did you see? Lots of people are there, and they all love Jesus. Were you allowed to talk to any of them, honey? Yes, I got to talk to one lady who was so very, really nice. Well, did she tell you her name? Izzy. Well, she said her name was Mary. And my heart jumped because my mom's name was Mary McCombs. And God used my mom to... She was the glue in our family. She held our family together. And I always knew that had she lived long enough to see her grandchildren, she absolutely would have adored them. So I'm thinking, Mary McCombs. She's seeing Mary McCombs. Isabel, did that nice lady tell you who she is? Yep. She said she's Jesus' mommy. And she's really, really nice. Izzy then ran out to the front room with Austin. And this short snippet was over again. Nugget number seven, I got to babysit. Oh. I got to babysit Isabel last Monday since she was getting over a cough and she avoided going to her sitter. Grandma to the rescue, of course. So I began asking another question. Me, Isabel, were there any more animals around you when you sat in the lap of Jesus? Izzy, there's lots of animals in heaven. This was the first time that she used the term heaven me. What animals did you see? Well, there was the same animals that we see on earth. I got to pet a unicorn too. I said, what? <laughs> well, unicorns aren't real. Um, they're just pretend, Izzy. They're real in heaven. In heaven, I got to play with all of the animals. I played with that lion that didn't bite me. You know, that lion that's so nice. <laughs> and she's mentioned this lion probably more than any of the other animals. I got to pet a mommy giraffe and a baby giraffe. The animals all play together and they like each other. 
me. What else do you remember? Izzy seemed to be a bit hesitant to answer. She paused before she responded, and she said, it just made me sad. What made you sad, sweetie? The marks on Jesus. Where does Jesus have marks? On his hands, Grandma. He has them on both of his hands. Are the marks just on his hands? No, I saw them on his feet, too. I touched his marks, and they made me mad. They really hurt Jesus, Grandma. Who hurt Jesus, Isabel? Those mean guards hurt him with a big hammer. The hammer pounded on his hands and his feet. They hurt him, and I don't like those guards. I wasn't sure whether or not to pursue this conversation because Isabel was clearly upset by the story she was telling. Then she added, those bad guards stood behind the cross so he couldn't get off. Me. Isabel, Jesus had the power to get off that cross anytime he wanted to. He could have called a lot of angels to help him if he wanted to get down. I couldn't believe I was having this conversation with a now five-year-old who had seen this when she was only three. Me. Honey, did Jesus tell you why he stayed on that cross and got those marks? Yes. He said, because he loves me and he wants me to be in heaven with him. Grandma, Jesus really loves people. And the conversation once again ended. I said, oh my goodness. A little footnote, I said, my youngest granddaughter just laid out the plan of salvation to me. Until that day, I had no idea how much understanding has been imparted to this little child. She was mad at those guards for hurting her Jesus and was clearly upset over those marks when she touched them. I told Isabel that no one took Jesus' life. He gave it willingly for the reason he told her. It is written out of the mouths of babes. Then there was one time, not too long ago, she started questioning some things. I was babysitting at the Sweeney's home overnight due to an uncertain winter weather heading our way. As I sat on the couch with Isabel, I said, Izzy, I have a question about those animals. I'm always going back to the animals because she really loved those animals. I have a question about those animals that you saw when you were on the lap of Jesus. And she said, Grandma, I think that was just a story. Isabel, you told me a lot of things about the place where Jesus lives. Those were just stories I told because I was having dreams. I think I just saw that in my dreams. How do I explain to, or should I, that her experience would seem like a dream? Even the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 2, I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven, whether in the body, I do not know. How can a little child process this if Paul was perplexed? I imagine this now six-year-old remembered her visitation at age three like it was just a dream. How does one explain to a kindergarten child the concept of body, soul, and spirit making up each of us? Nugget eight. Oh, this was just recently. I went a period of time where I didn't, I didn't talk to her anymore about it. Um, I wasn't sure whether I should continue doing that. She was usually very happy, quick to answer once in a while. Um, 
it upset her a little bit, well, quite a bit, when she saw the marks. Um, but I asked her a question. I made it a point. Last Sunday, we went to Victory. They were having the 36th birthday celebration. And all three of our girls go there, so we joined them. Um, when the kids came running, the, the five Sweeney's came running to greet us, um, Izzy said, hi, Grandma, I love you. And I answered like I always do. Hi, my little preacher girl, I love you more. Do you know what's more important? Jesus loves you most of all. After the service, this conversation was repeated as we waited in line for the chicken barbecue luncheon that they were had, having for their birthday celebration. Izzy, Grandma, I love you. She initiated it this time. Isabel, I love you more. But do you know what's more important? Jesus loves you most. Grandma, guess what? Because of Jesus, I have two fathers. I thought that was cute. Yes, you do, sweet child. Your earthly dad and your heavenly father. By golly, this six-year-old child really has spiritual truths planted deep within her heart. Nugget number nine. Tom and I went to Sweeney's today. This was just this past week. Tom and I went to Sweeney's today to see their new camper. Shh, it's supposed to be a secret, so don't say anything to anybody until the family reunion's over and they see it. Um, <laughs> um, I had not had a chance to speak with Isabel for a while about her heavenly visit. So I took the opportunity to ask her a couple of open-ended questions again when we were alone in the backyard and I was pushing her on the swing. I said to her, Isabel, when you went to where Jesus lives, did you talk to anyone except Mary? Grandma, you mean heaven? This was the first time I had heard her use the word heaven. I mean, she's using heaven and God now, but she says God my father all the time. Yes, you already told me that you spoke with Mary, but did you see any other people other than Jesus' mommy? Yep, I saw God, my father. He took me to see him. Jesus took me to see him. This was also the first time she used the word God, but she always calls him my father, me. Yes, she did tell me that already, but did you meet any people other than Mary? Well, I talked with Joseph. He's with Mary a lot. What did Joseph say to you? I didn't even know she knew about Joseph, but I guess that, I don't know, that was a new one. She'd not talked about him before. Um, what did you do while Joseph was speaking? Oh, 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 oh wait. Um, he didn't talk to me much because he came to talk with his boy, Jesus. He was Jesus' daddy when they lived here on earth. They were talking together. What did you do while Joseph was speaking with his boy, Jesus? Oh, Mary took me swimming. I mean, she comes out with me. She doesn't hesitate. She doesn't think. She just, whoop. Like she's telling me a story. It's just like, well, I went to Vermont. I, <laughs> this is what it looked like. She just comes right out with these things. Where did you go swimming? I'm waiting for her to tell me in the river of life. But instead, she said, Grandma, in a swimming pool. <laughs> a lot of the houses in heaven have swimming pools. Mary took me to swim in one of those pools. Grandma, can I show you my new bed in our new camper now? <laughs> I said, sure, Isabel. But may I tell you something first? My pastor wants me to share with the church your story about your heavenly visit. Remember, Isabel, that most people have never experienced what you have experienced. This was a very special thing that's happened to you. Is there anything that you want me to tell the people? She didn't answer the question. She said, she kind of looks sad. She says, Grandma, I really miss Jesus. 
I said, I know I do too sometimes, honey. I just want to hug him and thank him and look him in the face and just thank him for what he did. I get homesick to see him too, but there's too much stuff to do right now. He's coming soon, and he has things that he wants you to do, Isabel. You already told me two times that he really, really loves Jesus. He wants us to tell people about him, Izzy. There's just a lot that he wants us to do before we can sit on his lap again. You can still talk with Jesus every day, Isabel. Find a quiet place where your family's not running around and squealing and spending time talking to Jesus. Do it every day. He'll hear you. And if you wait a while and be quiet, you'll even hear him talk back. You have to spend some time with him first, though, honey, every day to hear his voice better. Now, what was it that you wanted me to tell my friends at church? You know, Grandma, I could have stayed if I wanted to. <laughs> she said again, I'm so glad that you didn't, Izzy, because that would have made us awfully sad if you weren't with us. We would have known that you were happy with Jesus, but we would have cried a lot. By that time, Lydia had come outside to join us on the camper tour, and the conversation was over. I've always been convinced um, over the last few years of listening to Isabel talking about her, her um, visit and in spite of the countless prayer warriors that were in America, in the UK, I mean, we even heard from the UK. They were, churches over there were praying for Isabel and, uh, you know, during this dark time. And I think that when Jesus asked her if she wanted to stay, if she would have given an answer other than what she did, that the outcome of this scenario would probably have been totally different. I personally do not believe that our will can override another person's will when Jesus makes them an offer if they want to stay, uh, no matter how much we're praying for them. We would not have understood why it happened that way. Some would have blamed God for not acting or mistakenly have thought it was not his will to heal. But those on the other side of the veil do understand why. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Sometimes when a person is in such an ongoing, extreme set of circumstances, it's appropriate to play, pray that the Lord grants them the desire, the will to live, the will to fight. The specialist at the Cleveland Clinic stated to us several times, this child is such a fighter. She's fighting so hard to live. No doubt Jesus gave her that want to. There was a time when Isabel went through a deep depression and anger at everyone because she was terribly homesick after five months in Cleveland. She missed her family. She missed her puppies. She missed her bed. She missed her toys. She missed her seeing her brothers and sisters every day, even though they did come up sometimes on the weekends. The doctors were quite concerned about the depression that this three-year-old went through because she was normally a jovial, giggly little girl. When they couldn't remove her, when it, she asked people to take her home and they couldn't remove her from the hospital like she wanted, Izzy refused to talk, she refused to eat, she refused to look at people in the face. I was unaware then that the Lord would be using extreme homesickness to help fulfill his will for this child's life. It reminds me of the scripture in the new song that, that we've been singing here. 
um, sovereign over us. We're, we're sticking with that right now. We held fast with Isabel. We're holding fast with what we're going through with Tom. But he is absolutely sovereign over us. And what the devil means for evil, God will use it for our good and for his glory. He had our little girl, had our little girl not been allowed to become so tremendously homesick for weeks before her heavenly visit, she may never have burst into tears and told Jesus how much she missed her mommy and daddy and family because heaven is a wonderful place to be and it's home. Um, but here's, here's what Isabel wanted me to tell you. Grandma, tell your friends that heaven's really fun. They're really going to like it there a lot. She took hold of my hand and then said, now I'm going to show you my bedroom in the camper. And our conversation was over. So, you know, those, those of you who have lost a loved one, they're really having fun. <laughs> they really are having fun. And they're just waiting for us to join them. You know, when you, when you think about heaven, um, the choice is in heaven. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of the choice, but, you know, when Jesus told his disciples, you know, I go to prepare a place, then he went on to say, well, how are you going to, where, how are we going to get there? And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The choice is him. The choice is him. We accept him, and then heaven's the outcome. You know, to me, it's just an encouragement to think about, you know, God using a three- or four-year-old to see something that, to me, just encourages me, like, wow. You know, heaven is a wonderful place. There's a, I know somewhere that we used to sing, heaven is a wonderful place filled with glory and grace. I'm going to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. So let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for being with us this morning. Lord, I pray that, that we would just remember that you're the way. Lord, heaven is the place that you prepare for us, but Lord, you're the way. Lord, we choose you. Lord, I pray you just help each and every one here to, to choose you as the way to heaven because you've prepared the way. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need for prayer this morning, Lord, if, if they want prayer, if they maybe have need their encouragement that uh, you do forgive them, Lord, you'd encourage them to come up and let the prayer team pr pray with them this morning. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us. Lord, just uh, remind us that uh, you have prepared a place for us. We just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.